1: There is nothing that says Stanley Cup playoffs like the Sunshine State Series between the Lightning and the Florida Panthers. What do you think Mike Any...
0: Wilbon thinks of this?
1: <laughs> I don't know. We should ask him. We'll probably hear. It's, uh, he's, they're waiting for the SEC uh, practice in the fall. Uh, listen, I, I got to say that when the Lightning were down uh, 3-2 and coming home to Tampa Bay, I wasn't sure that they would force a game 7 I really didn't think they were going to win Game 7 in Toronto. And the way they did it was even more remarkable to me. Like, when did this team decide to show up from the last two years? And on top of that, um, you know, more heartache for Toronto, obviously. But say hello to Nick Paul, who had not had a playoff goal and gets two, both goals for the Lightning. Vasi was tremendous again. But the way they locked it down, Steve, uh, with the 2-1 to lead, that was vintage 2020-2021.
0: In the last six series-clinching games for the Lightning, Andre Vasilevsky's given up one goal. <laughs> Stupid. That was Saturday night in Toronto. <laughs> yes. He had five straight he's, shutouts prior to that.
1: He's slipping. You're, what you're saying is he's slipping. Yes.
0: The Lightning <laughs> and, and the reason they have been so successful for the last – three years now, yeah, is because they learned how to lock it down defensively. Yeah. A hard lesson they learned in 2019 in the playoffs. That's true. When they set records, 128 points, 62 wins. You go into your first-round series against Columbus, you have a 3-0 lead in the first period,
1: Yeah, I was and there. you
0: get swept. They were too busy trying to put pecks in the net mm-hmm. instead of keeping out of their own. And that's what John Cooper has preached for three years now, You hear him say it all the time. It's not about what you put in the net. It's what you keep out. That's right. Offense comes and goes. But defense wins. Kind of like my diet. It's not (laughs) what you
1: put in your mouth. It's what you keep out. When you think about it. It is. It really is.
0: Yeah. But they put on a a clinic on Saturday night again. And and I, I find it laughable that you go to some of these, the advanced metric stats in this and Toronto based on the way play was should have won 73% of the simulations out of a 10,000 simulations. I'm like, no. They
1: were their favorite. Yeah.
0: I'm like, did they outplay Tampa Bay in that game? Maybe some. Did they have more mm-hmm. possession? Yes. Mm-hmm. They had 14 shots through two periods. That was it. They had a lot of I, possession. They had no man. shots. Tampa Bay was locking it down defensively.
1: They blocked 25, is that right?
0: Something like that. Uh, was it, yeah, they blocked a lot. Oh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to. I think the it was stats in the 20s, now.
1: wasn't it? It was something incredible that yeah. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of blocked shots." Now they completely sold out on the defensive side. I mean, mm-hmm. with, with a yeah. with a two 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 to one lead,
0: 26 attempts blocked.
1: 26. So here's the thing: like the previous two games, Game Six mm-hmm. and Game Five, which they lost for Game Five, won Game Six. They had 2-0 leads. And, you know, and John Cooper said after the game, that should have been enough goals. And I thought, well, come on. these are This was a more highly scored scoring you know series. Mm-hmm. Vasi had given up at least three goals in every game. But you know what? He knew what he was talking about. He had seen it before. When they're up 2-0 in a game, it might be the first period or the end of the first period, he feels like that should be enough, you know, because it, they've made it enough. And it was enough – in that building in Toronto with people going crazy uh, to lock it down against them. And that that's what won them the cup the previous two years. And of course, what can you say about Andre Vlasovsky? I mean, when you, when you give up one goal in in a clinching game and that's a step backwards, um, that's really remarkable. And we're watching, you know, other goaltenders that had great regular seasons struggle in the postseason. You said it going in like, there's question marks everywhere with with these other teams and some of their goaltending. And even the ones that had had good regular seasons, what they didn't have is what Vassie has, which is two rings uh, and, and a and a knack for you get him in an elimination game as the players voted. They don't want another guy in the net. If you got to win one game to stay alive or to win a cup, they want Andre Valsesky. And you could see why. He was tremendous. But they sold out. As a team, they really did... Um, everything the right way and, and choke them out. Even even with a man advantage down the stretch, you know, in the final two minutes or whatever, um, they were tremendous. And it I did not I, – I really did not think they were going to win game seven. I, I just – I thought that this was going to be Toronto's time. Now, Toronto has demons too, but this was not about Toronto's, you know, history. That's a great Toronto team, and I think mm-hmm. – I think it's one of the better teams that I've watched in the playoffs, and I haven't watched every game, obviously. Now, they're about to play Florida, the Florida Panthers, who had you know, the most points in the NHL and was the best team all season. So it's obviously a step up in class as you, as you move on. But this was a really good Toronto team that they beat, and it wasn't that Toronto played poorly in that final game.
0: I think this was the, the toughest team they've knocked out in the last three years.
1: And then and, some and of the players said that. As yeah. evidenced
0: by a Game 7, which has only happened twice, they, the Islanders mm-hmm. last season and then the Maple Leafs this year, mm-hmm. that Toronto is the best team they have faced in the playoffs the last three years.
1: Wow. Now, wow.
0: Florida may be a better team than Toronto, and we'll see in the series and how it stacks up. And, and coming out of that, we may say Florida is the best team they faced in the last three years. Right. But compared to the last two runs, this, ta- this Toronto team, that's a really good team. And when Austin Matthews says, we're right there, we're right there, he's not wrong. No, he's right. They lost to a great Tampa Bay Lightning team that has a ton of experience and the best goalie in the world. <laughs>
1: that is that is no consolation to a Toronto fan who I heard no. on the radio. are just dying. This one stung them as much as anything because they know they had a good team, and they had a team that may have, you know, had they gotten past the Lightning, may have gone very far. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're that talented, and, and, and they played that well and probably deserved a little better fate, but... Um, that's, you know, that, that's, that's why you win cups. It's
0: almost a shame that this matchup happened in the first round. It is. It is. I mean, this, this would was be the a conference third, final. this was the third and the fifth best teams in the Eastern conference, mm. which means, you know, had you seeded them one through eight, they wouldn't have played this round. That's uh, right. Uh, Tampa Bay would have faced the Rangers. I believe Toronto would have faced the Penguins. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been the same. Uh, Bruins, uh, Carolina, Florida, Washington, the same as it those would have stayed the same. But, you know, it's almost a shame because those teams are so good. But the NHL likes to keep the divisions together because they're trying to create rivalries, which, and we'll get got to in one. a minute, the Florida rivalry, now it's going to be a second straight year they face in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, this is something that the NHL has wanted for decades. Right. And they finally got it last year. And now they're going to get it two years in a row. And they're two really good teams both years.
1: Was it last year they didn't play any Canadian teams? Is that correct? Uh, Montreal the reg- in the final. During, yeah, I mean, during the regular season. Yeah, last right.
0: year you only played your seven division teams. You, they, right. They and redivided the, the divisions up, so you only played seven teams all year until you got to the second round of the playoffs.
1: But isn't it interesting that the teams they played the most, I believe, Carolina, Florida,
0: Nashville was Nashville. in the playoffs this year? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and and advancing now to the second round with the Lightning is Carolina and Florida. Yeah, Nashville didn't um, advance, but yes. No, but I'm just saying like it's the same teams they played so many times and they're mm-hmm. so familiar with each other, but they're all really really good. They've all elevated themselves um you know, while the Lightning was busy winning Stanley Cups, they had to go through them. So, yeah, those 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 teams are great. I wanted to talk about Nick Paul and I wanted to talk about uh what the lightning is able to do you know down the stretch by acquiring some of these players, we've talked about him since he when he first got here, and you know he has that size right he's very physical when you see him in person it's amazing how how much bigger that than he really is than I thought he was um but he he brought more than that he brought he brought a certain skill and and, and playmaking ability with the puck like we've seen highlight you know, real passes and and all this other stuff. But how about the clutch gene? How about this guy on both sides of the ice was the best player out there in that game seven? It was incredible what he did on defense. And, of course, even more incredible that they got two goals from him.
0: He And and when they made the trade, if you think back to the trade deadline, the big trade was Brendan Hagel. Yes. And they gave up two firsts. A lot, yeah. And Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. Mm-hmm. to get Brendan Hagel. Now, part of that cost is he's under contract for the next two years, and then right. after that he's a restricted free agent, which means you still have more years of, under control of him. Right? Now, you don't know the number yet, but that's why the price was so high. Nick Paul is a pending free agent, mm-hmm. and they gave up Matthew Joseph for him, who was, was going to be a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, and the Lightning didn't feel like they were going to be able to sign Matthew Joseph. So he became expendable. But but Hagel was supposed to have the flash and kind of be the Yanni Gord type. And Nick Paul, what you said about him is As a centerman, good at face-offs, can play all situations, and plays a north-south game. And does he mm-hmm. ever play a north-south game? He's yeah. always going – really, he plays a north game. It's like he's always going north. <laughs> he's not retreating, yeah. No, and it's – it's it's it, it, his comfort level here, his – I mean, he's kind of fit right. Hagel kind of struggled a little bit, and I think he's coming along nicely. And I think by next year, you're going to really like Brendan Hagel on this team. And, 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 you know, people forget, too, because, uh, you know, when they traded for Gaudreau and Coltman, it ended up being Stanley Cup final, and they were pivotal parts. But the eight to ten games after the trade deadline, before COVID shut down the season, they weren't doing that well. Mm -mm. They were struggling to – you know, I mean, Blake Coleman was moving his family and his wife was pregnant with their first kid and your new teammates and and all this stuff. And, and, you know, Barclay, Goodrow, they didn't have chemistry with anyone yet. They were trying to find their way. Nick Paul came in and pretty quickly found his way. And it's Mm -hmm. a testament to him. I mean, some players can do it better than others. and, And your game sometimes can translate or just who you happen to play with. But we've seen Nick Paul also play with Kucherov. Point yeah yeah Sorelli Stampkos he'll play with Colton and Hagel he can play with Maroon you know he he can play anywhere up and down the line I mean he's making himself a lot of money right now as a restricted as as an unrestricted free agent yeah And, and good on him and and I'm I'm pretty positive the Lightning would love to keep him and I'm sure they're probably talking about that or you know have expressed that interest to him because he fits on this team beautifully and but yeah he just goes and it's it's a a solid game he's strong like you can't take the puck from him. nope, he's a big guy he's got a good shot too, and he just goes north and I, I love watching him play and it's 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 really fitting that if you think back to some of the biggest games you know uh this you know last year uh what when they clinched over the Islanders in game seven. It was Yanni Gord who scores the goal. When they win the Stanley Cup final against Montreal, it's Ross Colton. When you win game seven against Toronto, it's Nick Paul with two goals. It's not your top guys that are scoring in those games. You've been getting that third-line scoring. Last year, you got it. This year, you're getting it. And that's a key. Depth scoring is so important in the playoffs because a lot of times your top lines cancel out. And Nick Paul emerging this way right now. And Ross Colton as well. And it's you need that in the playoffs. If you remember back to... What was it? Pittsburgh back in sixteen. The H B K line, uh, Haglin, uh, Benino, and I forget who the the K was, crushed the Lightning in that series, and they won. That third line or fourth line scoring is so important, and the Lightning got it in this series, and that's why they're advancing. But well, one of many Vasilevsky too, but that's one of the reasons they're advancing.
1: Yeah, and you know, good on Julian Breezebois. Who <laughs> they showed a shot of him when the game was over. He's just kind of like relieved but also proud you know what I mean like mm-hmm. yeah he he, he he did what he needed to do the last few years at the trade deadline you know to make to make it all come together and, mm-hmm. and the players you know and you forget like there's a lot of new faces I know Stamkos was talking about you know the pressure to win three and he's like look really he goes you know those game, and and this is true people if you play team sports you know this but you know, those two are in the vault, right? Like we, we've got those rings. We, we, we won those championships with a group of guys, but this is a different team. There are guys on this team who have never won a Stanley cup who want to win their first. Um, And they don't know anything about the last two, Um, you know? and, And so, you know, each team, each year is, is different and there's a different quest and it doesn't really carry over the experience you have, which is great uh and you and you got a lot of the same core players, and you want to do it again um but for some of these guys, they just want to win one you know um and you know and they really have kind of on the fly sort of rebuilt this team uh in areas that uh they got better towards the end of the year and 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 certainly you know certainly with uh, Nick Paul and those guys so man it was it was uh, it, it was unexpected to me that they could hold on to a two to one lead because they didn't do it the previous two games. You know they were up two zero, like I said, game games five and six. Uh, they lost game five. They won in overtime, uh, uh, not in overtime, but they uh, uh, they won late uh, in game six. Mm-hmm. So, and and now it's Florida, and this is this feels like. You know, in every championship, if you date, you know, going back to the NBA and I'm sure there's hockey's examples too, like, you know, the Bulls had to get over the Pistons, right? And you know, there are there are certain teams like are just your nemesis, you're knocking on the door and and you've got to take down those guys. This feels like Florida's time, right? It feels like they've been building 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 that had incredible series with the Lightning. The Lightning went on and won two Stanley Cups now they come again it is you know this is how rivalries are made or in the postseason um this this series a year ago was probably the best most entertaining maybe the hardest series that the lightning had on their way to a stanley cup it was it was physical uh seemed personal at times um the fans obviously can travel back and forth which is cool um there's a light you know Mike Wilbon, Wilbon aside, there's a lot to like about what has become of Florida and Tampa Bay
0: lately. Well, there's so much high-end skill on the ice on these teams, and much like mm. Toronto. I mean, Florida, Toronto, and Tampa Bay yeah. just yeah. have loads of of high-end skill on the ice yeah. at all times. Toronto had, I don't want to say questions in goalie, but you, know, you weren't sure how Jack Campbell was going to do in the playoffs. He did very well in that series. Mm-hmm. You still don't know. How well Sergei Bobrovsky is going to play? He finally won his second playoff series in his career. He beat the Lightning and with Columbus in nineteen, and then he just they just knocked off the Capitals. But how will he do? But Florida's got a ton of offense, a ton of skill, ton of speed. I mean, this is going to be another high flying series. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we've seen in from preseason last year when uh, what was it? One of the goalies got run. Uh, Andre Vasileski got run by Lomberg? Yeah. That was it over in Orlando and they don't like each other in the playoffs from last year and now, you know, this is the t- you know, maybe the best two teams in the East. We'll see. You know, it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be uh, it, it, that game won last year. I think Lightning won 5-4. It was in Sunrise, the first game of the playoffs. If you're if you've never watched hockey, that was the game to watch.
1: It was insane. Wasn't the
0: yeah. best played game because no, there was mistakes but, in this, but it was up and down the ice, high flying, hitting, physical, yeah, just exciting. It was it was one of the most exciting sixty minutes of hockey you'll ever watch, mm-hmm. and and they're capable of doing that in spades this year. I mean, you know, if you if you just want to look on paper, the Panthers have added a ton of talent since last year. The Lightning have lost the Gord Godreau Coleman line. Now they've added Nick Paul and Hagel. Bobrovsky, you'd think maybe better. I mean, last year they used what, three goalies in that series?
1: They used three. Against yeah.
0: Lightning. They had uh, uh Bobrovsky, they had uh, Dreger, and then they had uh Spencer hey, Knight. Kid. The rookie, yeah. Yeah, Spencer who, Knight, who was yeah. the one who played the last couple games. Yeah. So, you know, but presumably it's Bobrovsky's net. It's a different coach. Joel Quenville's not there anymore. Uh you know, he was he was let go, quit mid season with part of the Blackhawk scandal. Yep. from 10 years ago that he was the coach back then That's right. and things not being reported. So Andrew Burnett's taken over, and they really didn't miss a beat with him. First-time coach. Um, so, it, uh, look, this is going to be a fun series. Fans can go back and forth, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's creating that rivalry, which the NHL has wanted for generation a generation here. Yeah, And finally they've met in the playoffs twice. They should have met a few years ago in the playoffs. They didn't. Uh, Panthers got knocked off by the Islanders. I think it was in sixteen. That they were on pace to. They were the mm. the favored teams, but the Islanders upset the Panthers. So you know. But you, you mentioned it feels like Florida's time. And, you know, there are teams that have to get over a hump. Toronto needs to get out of the first round. Yes. And maybe yes. if they do, they'll go on and win several rounds. They might. Washington for years needed to get over Pittsburgh. Yep. And when they finally did, they went all the way to the Stanley Cup and won it that year. But I'll also go back to the Lightning. So they make the Cup Final in 15. They're back in the Eastern Conference Final in 16. They lose to the Penguins. They miss the playoffs in 17 by one point. Got off to a horrible start that season. Had a great second half, just one point shy. The next year they go to the Conference Finals in 18. They're up three games to two over the Capitals and end up losing that series in seven. Don't score a goal the final two games. And so then you come to to 1819 and the lightning set all kinds of records you know they were the president's trophy winner they you know in florida this year was only a couple points behind that pace from the lightning three years ago
1: yeah they rolled people yeah, yeah.
0: and they set records for the number of goals scored in a season and and they're flying and that was kind of like the lightning four years ago or three years ago whatever you want to say it. and the lightning got steamrolled now do i think florida's a little better defensively than that lightning team from then yes But just because you feel like it may be their time, I mean, they may still have things to learn. I mean, they're still an upcoming team. And the Lightning still have that experience. And I think it showed in the Toronto series, too. You know, how will they handle adversity in this series? You know, they didn't have a ton of adversity in the Capital series. They were down a game or whatever. But how will they handle adversity to the the 2 times champs and your state rival?
1: And we'll see. They know what's at stake. Here's what I wonder – the final game, or one of the final games, it might have been the final game, but one of the final games of the regular season, the Lightning went to Sunrise. And they played the Florida Panthers. And they whipped their tails. It was 8-3, to three, I think, if my memory serves, or thereabouts. Uh, it was a 3-3 game, and then they, they took off. What if, and you know, and, and we've talked about this in the Stanley Cup Finals, like, or in the playoffs. Sometimes, really, the momentum, you know, doesn't always carry over even from one game to the next, one arena to the next. Could there have been a little doubt put in the Florida Panthers' minds by that game, or was that sort of the Lightning's intention, which was – and they were playing great at that time, as I recall. They are just kind of scuffling around at the end of the season. But it was like, oh, yeah, we're still here, and we can do this to you in your building.
0: I think there was some of that for the Lightning. Now, how mm-hmm. much does Florida put doubt in your mind because of that one game, four games left in the regular season? I don't think there's a ton. They yeah. put, now, the fans could. Yeah. But the fans aren't playing.
1: So they're, not, they're not. They're
0: not. But, but you start at home. Nervous building, though, I mean, yeah. much like we talked about Toronto. I mean, Lightning get an early goal in Game 7, and, and the oh, fans yeah. get – you could hear them getting nervous up there.
1: It's a, You can feel it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, mm-hmm. I don't know – you know, I don't think the players were, but the nervous energy in the building and, you know – as a home team, you like to feed off the crowd. Right. Well, you don't it want to feed off of that room. energy.
1: Right, exactly, exactly.
0: You know, I, I, look, I think, I think if anything, you know, Florida's going to be hungry from last season. But I also think that, you know, the Lightning, I, I think there's an advantage to starting on the road in this series, just like it was last year. I think sure. all the pressure was on Florida.
1: I would rather start on the road if I was a hockey team. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we saw what happened in game seven, but there was pressure on Toronto Mm -hmm. because they hadn't won a playoff series, and it didn't affect. Mm -hmm. That building, as loud and crazy as it was, I don't think it affected the Lightning Mm -hmm. because they were the more experienced team. One thing, though, that will affect them is whether Braden Point can play. This Lightning team, and John Cooper said it, sometimes not having a guy on the ice can galvanize you. And, you know, Point never left the ice. He, He tried to come back and skate. He got his leg or knee or whatever it was um, kind of twisted up on him um, and, and tried to come back for a shift and couldn't go. But he stayed on the bench. And he was almost at one point, you know, uncons- inconsolable. I mean, he was really upset. And, and why not, right? Playoff time, what he means to the team, all of that. But wasn't able to go. But there he sat through the entire game. And, you know, his teammates tried to console him. But he wasn't leaving, he wasn't leaving the bench which he absolutely probably could and should have. But but if he's not on the ice or not Braden Point, you can't begin to measure, you know, what a loss that is to this hockey team because of all that he does. Because he's the engine, right? He's the guy that can carry it 200 feet mm-hmm. and make plays. And, and you just simply, and power play and all, you just simply can't. I mean, they are a lesser team, and I think considerably without Braden Point.
0: No question about it. I mean, losing a player in the middle of a game can galvanize your team and everyone it kind of can focus you. Sure. And really, you know, make sure that you're doing your job sure. And that. But to miss him, let's, and we don't know what his, his status is. No. But it, let's say he misses some time in the series or the whole series. Mm-hmm. That's different than missing part of a game. Absolutely, seeing a guy go down and okay, let's let's lock this down. Let's Let's focus. Let's you know, Mm -hmm. missing him for an entire season. Now, to know you don't have him going in a game, there is a little bit of help with that because you know you've set your lines differently, you've changed Mm -hmm. your power play a little, you know, all those things. But but outside of Vazzy, Headman, and maybe McDonough, points the next most important person I wouldn't want to lose. Yeah. And and not that I mean, Kucherov's fantastic, Stammer's fantastic, Sorelli, but Point can be that engine, both helping in the shutdown line, which he did against Matthews and Marner in that series, to driving offense, to just pushing the pace.
1: Yeah, his speed is he can He
0: can almost drag his teammates along with him mm-hmm. when he's skating well and playing well. And, yeah. and, you know, hopefully he's not out a long time. We know that he's been dealing with something down the stretch, he hadn't mm-hmm. looked right for a while. He was starting to look better in that Started Toronto to series. Starting to look better, yeah. But we know he missed a few games down the stretch in the regular season. They said, you know, maintenance, day to day type stuff, just precautionary things. But you got to wonder whether it's a knee, a groin, you know, whatever it was that maybe that's it, it, it exacerbated whatever else he was dealing with. When we don't know what he was dealing with. They don't say in hockey. They tell you very little right. if they tell you anything at all. You know, I had someone today ask me, do we know anything about point? I'm like, it's the playoffs. They're not telling you anything about anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, it's 1030 on Sunday night. We don't even know what game time is or when, well, when was, the series uh, starts.
1: I was going to mention that. Yeah. After the game, Cooper, when he's like, uh, no, I don't know. Was he hurt? Like, it was kind of like, yeah, no, that guy, they didn't go back. Yeah. And and to that point, um, as we do this podcast, not knowing when they play an extra day. We don't know the extent of his injury, but an extra day would seem to be in their favor.
0: There was a think. thought that the series could start Monday. I, I, at this point, I would doubt that since it's less than 24 hours away and they haven't announced it. So true, true. At, at this point, I'm guessing Tuesday or Wednesday the series starts Yeah. in sunrise. Wednesday would be better. Now, there's a concert at Amelie Arena on Saturday, hmm. so the series can't go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. They right, could go Tuesday, right. Thursday and game three, Sunday, or they could wait till Wednesday, Friday and then Sunday for game three at, at Amelie Arena. It seems more likely, right? So but it, it a lot of it depends on the other arena availabilities too. I mean, the Rangers just advanced. They knocked off the Penguins in overtime, as we're taping this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what what is Madison Square Garden got booked? You know, that affects playoff series and, and television stuff. Uh the Dallas Stars are playing right now, they're up one nothing at the end of the first uh, but the Dallas Mavericks, uh, last I checked, were crushing the Phoenix Suns in Game Seven, so they're going to advance. So there's building; they have to work around building concerts the or NBA, other yeah. the NBA mm-hmm. tenants that's in your building. Madison Square Garden. Who knows what else they got going on up there? They got tons of stuff there in New York. Sure. So you know, sure. there's arena availability that affects that too, as well as television. So mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing the by the time you hear this podcast, the schedule may be out because I'm guessing it's coming out late tonight after the Stars Calgary yeah. g- game. So.
1: Well, the more games, uh, the more days they have between games. I, I, I guess uh, no matter what, it, it it can only help a guy like Braden Point. Although maybe the injury is to the extent where he can't play uh, in this series or early in this series. We'll have to see. But they'll have time to make those adjustments. And um, you know, you, you can't count out the Lightning. I mean, they wanted they wanted to advance. They're they're into round two. Um, it's this is also going to be, I think, a six or seven game series. I think. We saw it's been wild seeing all these seven game series, how evenly matched these teams are, and the swings back and forth. But that's what makes that's what makes the NHL playoffs the best playoffs in sport, in my opinion. Um, you know the drama, uh, you know just, just just how you know the strategy changes, and, and you know from one arena to the other with the different line. Change. I mean, there's so much that goes into these games, but the physicality of it, the war of attrition, the injuries which are very much a part of the game. Goaltending, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's just so many facets that um, – and and then you'll get to an overtime, right? Is there anything like a playoff overtime, much less a Game 7 playoff overtime, um, which, which, you know, you may see. So
0: it's, yeah, the, best. Have, yeah, it's the best – Five Game 7s in the first round. That's crazy. It's That's incredible. Crazy.
1: Yeah. That's how evenly matched all these teams. But you know what? A lot of teams, especially in this conference – had over a hundred points
0: all eight did yeah that's that's incredible in the eastern conference that all eight teams had over a hundred points
1: they were very evenly evenly matched or achieved a lot of the same things so it's like you know why why wouldn't you expect the games to be close too so we'll have plenty of time to talk about the lightning uh, once we figure out what their schedule is so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: I was at the Rays game at Tropicana Field. The Rays win that series two games to one. They win the game three to nothing. Uh, You know, the Rays, unfortunately, have had to put Manuel Margot on the 10-day IL injury list, and that hamstring was, I guess, barking at him quite a bit, and you could kind of see that. Um, It's really unfortunate because there is not a a bat in that lineup as good as his, right now at least, and so, you know, we talked to him after the game, and he was like, yeah, it's not exactly, um, you know, what you want to do when when you're swinging it as well as he is, but... Um, he says it's feeling better. He doesn't think it's going to be something that lingers, and better to shut him down now than to end up losing him for a couple months or so. But the Rays had the most Rays game ever um, on Sunday, so Alec Manoa is one of the best pitchers in the American League, and he's a giant. This guy is six foot six, two hundred and eighty-five pounds. I mean, it looks like he's standing on a little league mound, forty-five feet away from the batter. He is massive. With great stuff, slider even a changeup, and he has owned, you know, the AL East and the American League in general. He came into the day, four and zero, one seven five ERA, and he was cutting through them, you know, pretty good. Um, they got a guy as far as second, I think, in the fifth inning, but but as only the Rays can do, they managed to score three runs in the sixth inning. They got three singles, including a broken back single by G-Man Choi. A fielder's choice, an error, and a wild pitch. And there's their three runs, and they shut out the Blue Jays with, what was it? One, two, three, four, five different pitchers um, coming out of the pen to uh, you know uh, to get it done against a really good Toronto team. They're just amazing. And Jeffrey Springs, who has now sort of been thrust into the, uh, the role of a starter and has embraced it, he went four and two-thirds um gave up a a two out double, and they took him out of the game, but his line was impressive, you know I mean he gave up four hits, he struck out two and had no walks and it's only the third time he started since he's moved from the bullpen to the rotation. They just bring in guys and they mow you down and that Toronto lineup is hard to cut through, and they managed to do it, and they made the three run lead stand up um You look at their offense, most of those guys are struggling, a lot of them are. Kevin Kiermaier didn't play because he fouled a pitch off his knee on Saturday. Uh he did get in the game as a pinch hitter and got a knock. He says he feels pretty good. Um but but you know, you had you had guys like Wander Franco broken 0 for eighteen, G Man Choi broken 0 for eighteen. So they got the hits in the one inning that they needed to. They had the right guys up. Um but offensively they're 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 challenged right now. But that pitching and that bullpen this year has been the story. My goodness, are they good. And they they keep the ball in play, and, and the Rays, as we know, play great defense and support them.
0: But hasn't that been the story for years with Tampa Bay? As it has, much as, but – I mean, the focus on the bullpen gets put on the opener when yeah. they created it a few years ago right? in that. But it's really been the number of arms, how different each one is,
1: they are different. How That's each right.
0: has a role mm-hmm. and how they put them in a position to succeed against who's coming up for the other team. And then That's play great de- defense behind them as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not just having the arms. It's not it's just when no to put them out there. It, it's yeah. when to put them out there, how to use them, Yeah, how to position your defense behind them, how to play defense behind them. Yeah. And, and how Mike Zanino handles that staff too. And, you know, as much as, you know, fans will rip him for his batting average and, and it's not good, but, and, and if he's not hitting home runs, it's really noticeable, but mm-hmm. what he does with that pitching staff and the way he handles it and the number of pitchers. And like I said, you know, I, what? when they were in the world series two years ago, I believe it was Fox had the graphic of each Tampa Bay Rays pitcher and their arm angle.
1: Yeah, it's crazy
0: left and right. And everyone was different. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a hitter. And, and in, when you play the Rays, you're not facing a pitcher twice usually.
1: No, not very often. Definitely no. not three
0: times. So you're going to face three to four pitchers, five a game. Every mm-hmm. time it's a different arm and it's a different angle, a different speed, a different
1: – Lefty, righty. Yeah. Everything.
0: And it's mm-hmm. – it's, it, it, when, when the opener first came out, I remember they were played the Angels. Sergio Romo, it was like in May, a few years yeah. ago. I think it was 2018. Mm-hmm. And one of the things the hitters said after was like, you know, I don't like facing a different pitcher every time. <laughs> I don't remember which player said that, but it was like, that's you know, it's not fair to do that or something <laughs> along those lines. It's like, well, that's yeah. the whole point of it is that that's right. you may start the game and you're facing a pitcher and then we'll put a bulk guy behind them so that it's it's throwing you off as a hitter. Right. And that's two, part bats,
1: of, two different pitchers.
0: That's part of the strategy with it. Yeah. And it's also, you know, okay, if your pitcher's not, you know, an ace-type material or top rotation guy, you're not facing the heart of the order to start. You come in right. at the bottom of the order and – Easier way in the game however you want to say it, you know. Get an inning under your belt before you go face, you know, the Mike Trouts of the world or, you know, who Bryce Harper is tearing this cover off the ball right now mm-hmm. uh, with a torn UCL, which yeah. is amazing.
1: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> don't ask him to throw, but he hit it a mile. <laughs> you good? I'm good. Yeah. It, you know, Springs is one of those guys, too, that was kind of on a scrap heap, you know, like, uh, I, I don't know. he was He was doing another mm-hmm. odd job. And they found him, and they and and you know now he's like I said they've moved him out of the bullpen. He's he's done well. Uh, Matt Whistler came in the game. JP Rising, I don't think has allowed a run. Um, you know, I know he hasn't
0: allowed an inherited runner to score all year.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And he's just throwing strikes. Um, he did walk one batter finally, but that's been the big difference in him is that he's just attacking the plate with all his stuff. They use Colin Poche, of course. And Kittrich is as close to any as they have to an actual closer. Um, but but like any of those guys are are brought in to high leverage situations to face, you know, the meat of the order, and and um, they all come in and they all just post zeros. It's it's the damnedest thing I've ever seen, and it's 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 what the Rays are about. It's what they're built on, pitching and defense. is still their bread and butter. Um, for as much as you know, you love to talk about. Wander Franco or Randy Orozarena, who's struggling pretty much, by the way, um, you know that that is the glue of their of their baseball team. So they're twenty one and fourteen now. Uh, they had lost four of their previous six. They hadn't been scoring any runs. They had scored just one run or fewer in three of those games during that two and four stretch. But they were able to grind it out, and grind is 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 the word you would use. And Manoa deserved a better fate. I mean, he pitched really really well. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, Chapman makes a rare error, his first in 33 games. He ended up with two on the day. Um, I think it was Manoa's first wild pitch of his career, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy to think of. And it all happened in the same inning. And you look up, and they're up 3 nothing, and the bullpen makes it stand up. So,
0: Well, he wasn't the hardest-luck pitcher of the day.
1: No, how about your –
0: Hunter Green of the Reds, who makes Cincinnati like his 11th Reds. Yeah. career start or something like that. And he's oh, my like, God. I, the guy throws gas. I mean, it was a game he threw like 39 pitches over 100 miles an hour. Um, he threw 118 pitches, had a no-hitter, through seven and a third. Yeah. And they lose. And he takes the loss. Yeah. They lose one nothing. So he, he had a rougher stupid. start than Manoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well – Let's uh, do a quick football. We'll talk about the Bucs minicamp later this week because we got all week to do that, and I got my thoughts. I I had a couple stories over the weekend, covered them, of course, uh, on Friday and Saturday. Sunday, it was not open to the media, so I went and did the race. Um, But we got a lot to talk about there. But before we leave, we'll end on this one. Breaking news. Drew Brees, have you seen this? Yes. In response to a report that Drew Brees is leaving NBC, and I think it's a mutual agreement, by the way. Didn't exactly knock the socks up Sunday Night Football last year as a broadcaster.
0: I think in this case, mutual was, yeah, we don't think you're the guy to replace Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> and he said, okay, then I'll leave.
1: <laughs> All right, then. Fine. Yeah, exactly. It was, some, it was something like that. I mean, pick up your Joe Montana was a Broadcaster 2 award on the way out of the building. But Breeze might just be having – he might be in people. Or he might be serious, because, you know, Tom Brady has done this before as well, and why not take cues from him? Breeze says he's undecided about his future, but he's mentioned the possibility of playing again. That's right. Jameis Winston just fainted. Go get the smelling salts, get him off the floor with his $21 million. Drew Breeze, and he didn't say where, by the way, but Drew Brees has talked about the possibility, he says he's undecided, but maybe I'll play. Wouldn't that be something? And on top of it, has he found a new arm? Did did they reconnect something that we're not aware of? Because the last time I saw Drew Brees, he had a tough time throwing the football more than 10 yards. So anything's possible, but how about that? How about if Drew Brees comes back and plays for the New Orleans Saints, would you give the Saints a better or worse chance of winning the NFC South if Drew Brees is their quarterback? And remember... Sean Payton is not the head coach.
0: Well maybe Drew Brees comes back as a head coach and then Tom Brady goes and plays for him.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean he was gonna to try to play for Sean Payton in Miami. We all know that. Yeah. So that it's 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 a very much a uh, family circle going
0: on. Yeah, apparently What's Drew Drew Brees wants to call games. NBC doesn't think he's that good at it. Wants him yeah. to do studio stuff, he doesn't want to do studio stuff, so
1: so he says I'm out and waiting for the next offer. Which, having having watched Tom Brady get thirty seven five for whenever he retires, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like yeah, whenever you want it, it's there. Maybe Breeze is thinking, I don't know. Maybe I should negotiate a deal like that and play a year, and then when I come out, I'll have you know thirty million dollars or something a year. But, but we know
0: he can't throw the ball deep. But is he a better option he, than what they have in Seattle?
1: Yes. How about Carolina? Yes. Pittsburgh. Mm, may, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, listen, I, he knows all the answers to the test. He's, he's, you know, until Brady passed him last year about week four, he was the all-time leading leading passer. And that was, you know, they beat New Orleans en in, in route to the Super Bowl in that divisional playoff game. But Drew Brees has the ball in his tight end's hands on the plus 40 of the Buccaneers with a seven-point lead going in to take a two-touchdown lead in the third quarter when that dude fumbled and the game changed. Not not necessarily because Breeze didn't play well. Now, once they got ahead of them and Breeze had to throw and they knew it, um, he didn't really have much uh ability to throw it down the field, but he did reveal, I think, after the season that he had done some something to his shoulder. Um and so he was playing a lot more hurt than people realize. And of course, you know, we know we know his arm hasn't been the same since he, you know, took that hit in San Diego years and years ago. But listen, if you if you if you told me Drew Brees was the Saints quarterback this year, I'd tell you well they've already owned the Bucks for the last two years with Brady here, they've won six or seven regular season games in a row. I'd I I think I'd still feel better with him than Jameis Winston, but you know it seems like a franchise that wants to move on that you know not that Brees was an option before but. They invested. They they guaranteed Jameis twenty one million dollars over the next two years, and I think they plan on him being their quarterback. So, you know, without again, you know, the mat. Some of the magic of Drew Brees is also Sean Payton. He's never played in New Orleans at least for another offensive coordinator, another play caller, and so that that well, he would did be a for one
0: year different. when Payton was suspended, but.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Good point.
0: Yeah, but no. it's Peyton's offense. It was, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Well, no, it's true though. Somebody else was dialing it up, or as far as we know, um, Kevin James, perhaps. But yeah, it's uh, it- it's just wild, man. Like, and I can't help but think like Brady's had an influence on all this. You know, like you can do whatever you want. Doesn't matter how old you are. Retire, come back, whatever. You know, call your own shots.
0: Well, I, I think where it's coming from is. We know there's not 32 quarterbacks. Well, that's true. Capable of winning in the NFL.
1: That's very true.
0: And so if you can, const- if you're if you're that good, yeah. Particularly with the mental side of the game. That's the thing. Is yeah. you know, it's being able to diagnose the, the defense before the play is snapped. Yeah. Then you, and are you better than some of the quarterbacks in the league now? Sure.
1: Well. And his receivers are better because they, they drafted Chris Alave. They got Michael Thomas back from that injury that knocked him out last year. And they just signed Jarvis Landry. Those are three fairly good receivers. And, I mean, I think Alave is going to be terrific um, when he gets healthy and, and is able to play. But if Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas again, like, all of a sudden, you can match up with any team in the NFC South with those three receivers, for sure, even, even the Bucks, which you've owned anyway. Uh, you get Tyrone Matthew to come in there and return home and play safety that's that's a you know a big statement. Um, so a lot going on in New Orleans and and it'll be it'll be fun to watch just how this all how this all plays out. Anyway, uh, we'll talk a lot about football, a lot about the bucks. We'll find out definitively uh, you may already know when you hear this podcast when the lightning will be going down to sunrise to play the Florida Panthers in the second round in the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the Rays begin a series against the Detroit Tigers. Um, that's something to look forward to as well. Austin Meadows, I'm told, is not going to play in that series. He's a little nicked up, but we'll see how they're able to you know, keep the momentum going and perhaps win another series here at the Trop after taking two out of three from the Toronto Blue Jays. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstyn, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.